1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Now, we're in the midst of a pandemic, no need to remind you, but it's not the first because our forefathers and mothers had to face into a very difficult time in the years 1918 to 1920. I'm talking about the Spanish flu. It infected 500 million people in the world. They reckoned that the death toll was somewhere between 17 and 50 million. Could have been as high as 100 million at the time, they think. It was one of the deadliest pandemics in human history. Well, the Spanish flu, yes, we know about it, but what was its impact here in the Northeast? I said I'd ring a man that might have an idea. Sean Collins, historian. Hello.
0: Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you?
1: I'm really good. Thanks for joining me on the show. Sean, what's the story?
0: Uh, well, from a personal perspective, the first time I heard of the Spanish flu, I was doing some research in the 1980s on James Street and I came across a publican called George Lee. George Lee, who was a publican in James Street, uh, Harry. when I inquired from Harry who George Lee was, Harry's response was, he died in the Spanish flu. And that was the first time I'd ever heard of the Spanish flu. But it was the last coronavirus in Ireland uh, from 1918 until 1919. Over 40,000 of the global population were contaminated by the flu. In Ireland, it is estimated that 30,000 people died. In the USA, even the president, Woodrow Whitson, was infected. So there's nothing new with presidents picking up pandemics.
1: That's not fake news now, is it?
0: <laughs> it's not fake news at all. But the fake news was the title, Spanish flu, was in effect fake news. Towards the end of the Great War, many countries' media were controlled by censorship. Spain was one of the few countries to remain neutral in the war. The Spanish media was free to report on the flu with all its glory details. News of the flu was first mentioned in the Spanish media in May. A week later, the king, Alfonso XIII, came down with the flu. Newspaper readers on forced hearing of the flu in Spain understandably called it the Spanish flu. Though the first noted case was actually in the USA, On the 11th of March, 1918, on a military base in Kansas, it is estimated that 20 million people died in the Great War from 1914 to 1918. Between March 1918 and May 1919, the numbers dying from flu far exceeded the casualties of war. So many doctors away in the war and no National Health Service, it could not have come at a worse time for Ireland. They estimate in Ireland there were 800,000 cases of the flu recorded. The first wave of the virus hit Ireland in the summer of 1918. The earliest verifiable case in Ireland was on an American warship, the USX-60, which was up in Cove in May of 1918. By the middle of June, the Belfast Newsletter reported a flu-like illness was sweeping the city. By the end of June, the flu was reported in Ballinasloe, Tipperary, Dublin, Drogheda, Derry and Cork. The situation was not helped with the many soldiers returning from the continent after the war. A second wave was reported in October of 1918 and the third wave, meant to be the most virulent, was from February to April 1919. Death rates were particularly high among people aged between 20 and 35-year-olds leading to many children being orphaned. The mortality rate was higher among males, but this pattern was reversed in Belfast, where many women were employed in the mills, and the close contact in industry added to the death rate. Infection rates among doctors and nurses was high, with some uh, schools being forced to close because of the lack of teachers. In Belfast, it was reported that 100 Sinn Féin prisoners in Belfast jails were contaminated. The defence of the realm Act was being enforced at the time, prompting questions in Parliament about their conditions. In December 1980, in Richard Coleman, a Sinn Féin internee from Swords, died in Nook's prison in England, and that both were Sinn Féin allegations of mistreatment of prisoners. The 1980 All-Ireland final was postponed. Dr Kathleen Lynn, the 1960 and revolutionary, was arrested under the Defence of the Wellam Act in May of 1918 for seditious activities. But she was released in the court on condition that she work only with flu victims. Over 65 seemed to be immune, sore throat, headache, fever, and black skin were the telltale symptoms. A shortage of grave diggers in Dublin meant coffins being stacked 18 high in the Union mortuary. Now, the funny thing about this, Jerry, it was only identified as a virus in 1933.
1: Afterwards, because, years uh, later.
0: Uh, yes, yeah, they didn't think it was a, a virus at all. Yeah. Uh, they were recommending at the time that the inside of the nose should be washed with soap and water, so it said in the Limerick Leader. Dublin and Drogheda householders were encouraged to wash the floors with a Maricus disinfectant and flush the toilets with carbolic. Streets were sprayed with jays fluid and trams and railway carriages scrubbed. The authorities stopped short of generously spraying passengers with disinfectant. <laughs> Thank God. And uh, handshaking and kissing was outlawed in Arizona and Richmond, Virginia. At least that didn't happen here.
1: Oh my, so we could handshake and kiss at that time of the Spanish we, flu, but we can't now? We can't now,
0: exactly. Um, when you look at Drada, considering we had a... Cholera epidemic in 1832 when 1,500 died in the town, and with the Russian flu in 1892. So, you know, we were familiar with pandemics all mm. right. But on the 6th of July, barely two, a month and a half after that first recorded case in Cork, uh, the Drogheda Independent reported that all schools in Drogheda, Mel, and Tully Island were closed because of flu. Uh, flu held Drogheda in a script. Fresh cases were being reported early. Not a house in the town was unaffected. Half the looms in the boiling mill mills stopped leading to its closure. Um, but then uh, by the end of July, it, which would have been the end of the fourth wave, it pointed out that the flu has abated. And two local doctors who worked very hard with the flu victims were now gone on the holidays. <laughs> on the 9th of November, it, it reported, which would have been the second wave, that the flu was not bad, but local publican George Lee, who Harry told me, had died. Uh, Joseph Carey of George's Street and Joseph Carter from Water had all succumbed to the pandemic of the flu, leaving widows with young children in their wake. Um, on the 5th of April 1990, and at the height of the toad wave, 93-year-old Mrs Healy from Tully Esca, died. And the papers reported that, sadly, Family members were unable to attend the funeral because they had all come down with the flu.
1: Well, Sean, you know, just on that one there and what you've been saying for the last few minutes, you know this more than anybody, history repeating itself.
0: Absolutely. You know, at Balbriggan, Dr Fulham was reported to have the flu. The town hall was closed. All the schools in North County Dublin were closed. In November of 1918, 40 people with flu in Balbriggan. Um, a flu outbreak in Scaries, but so far, Balbriggan has escaped. So came the New Year. And on the 15th of March, there was another flu outbreak in Balbriggan. and Captain Patrick Delaney, twenty-six years of age, dies. Over at Navin, uh, it reported in July 1918, uh, Robert tongue in cheek that a local who had attended the races at the Cora had won £200, quite a sum at the time, but it was pointed out, by going to Kildare, he caught the flu. So, obviously, that's where the root of the problem was.
1: Cheltenham uh, repeated in a smaller way.
0: <laughs> uh, the 26th of October, the Mead papers referred to it as the war epidemic. Uh, has a, there have reported incursions in Navin, Trim, Kelvin at boy. But by November of 18, the flu had disappeared from Navan. It was very mild in Mead, according to the local paper. And the 2nd of November, 1918, 56 admissions at Navan Union Hospital. Dr. Timmons, the chairman, sought permission to recruit unqualified staff to help mine the sick. Um, so, you know, not unlike today, yes. the staff recruitment, Health workers dying within it. Um, you know everything is so so repetitive and so similar. Um, the flu uh, based in Trim by November in nineteen eighteen. It was scarcely felt in Summerhill or Langford, but it hit that boy very hard. Four deaths in Trim, including Constable William Cox, who died at Navan from flu, and he was only married six weeks. Uh, by March of 1919, I think the flu was beginning to die down, although the dance at Johnstown was cancelled after an outbreak of flu in Navan. In Dundalk, Dr John McQuillan, a native of Drogheda, died from the flu which he contacted working with flu patients in the county hospital in Dundalk. So the reports, Jerry, are just the same as what we read today. Uh, they're not... Uh, Pre-page spreads, I'm afraid. They're very, very tiny reports. You really have to search for them. But as you quite rightly said, history repeating itself all over again.
1: It certainly is. And I'm I'm just mesmerised, honestly, listening to you here, how much resonance there is from that time to today. And think about it, Sean. Look at the communications, as you say, small paragraphs here and there in the newspapers little in the way of telephonic uh, communication either. No wonder today we have it all over the newspapers, radio, television, on social media. It's just everywhere it's in your face. And remember this, Sean, as well. When you talk about the doctors, I was laughing, they're going on the holidays, you know, and the primitive care we had in hospitals and no homes. My God, look at what we have today.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. It's just remarkable how repetitive the whole thing is. Yeah. Um, It's remarkable that all the same sort of reactions are taking place and uh, the panic, Uh, factories closing, schools closing, courthouses closing. Uh, while not a national lockdown, just the total reaction Mm. to the blues.
1: Yes, yes. Oh, amazing, amazing. Sean Collins, brilliant as usual. And I wanted to just uh, air today, you know, that our... The generations before us, um, grandfathers and grandparents, etc., all had to live, and great-grandfather and great-grandparents had to deal with something that we are dealing with today in a very, very different world. And I do say, you know, you haven't the travel then uh, that you have today, and that's another big factor there. But, Sean, thank you for bringing us back to the future. Thank you very much, Jerry. Take care. Sean Collins, historian.
0: Here's a cool fact.